Okay, so, you know, um, we have different maps of the world. We do. <laughs> Coach insight really... number one. Yes, I have a really <laughs> cute story. Oh, good. Let's start. Dom Dominic kind of heard part of it yesterday. So, I woke up yesterday and when I checked Facebook, there was a comment in one of my, my posts saying, please check your messages, exclamation marks, by an anonymous egghead person. It's like, oh, what's this? So, yeah, go in, check message requests. And there is this desperate cry for help from a 16-year-old kid who bought my son's Fortnite account in the fall, who said, I won a tournament and I want 1,200 US dollars and I forgot to change the tax info, no. so it has now arrived to your PayPal account. Please help me. And he had screenshotted the Helena Roth. Here's we have just deposited 280 US dollars into your PayPal account times three because the rest goes to tax somehow. And he was just help. Would you please send it back? And he'd written this at two in the in the morning. So I wrote him back and said, wait, you know, I'll just check. And yeah, sure, it had come to my PayPal account. So I, I screenshotted that so he knew that there was money there. And I said, of course, I'll send it back to you. And he said, here's my aunt's e email, her PayPal account. Now I was like, great, can you please tell her to send me an email to this address so that I know that she's actually real and that this doesn't go any way it shouldn't. And he said, well, I know I have her on Facebook. Is it okay if I, you know, make a group chat? Yeah, sure. So he did and say, here's my aunt. And auntie came in and said, hi, I'm aunt. And, um, you know, my, my nephew, you know, messed up, but it's really him and it's really his money. Uh, so I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll fix it later on because by then I got into Dominic's place in town for a session. So I got home and I was busy lunching and then I was busy working and I got a new little desperate text saying, were you going to transfer that money to me or not? And he said, you can keep 50 bucks for you or for your son. That's fine, you know. And so I said, sorry, I was stuck working. I forgot. I'll, you know, I'll fix it right now. And so I, I forwarded it to his, to his aunt's PayPal account. And I forwarded all of it because it's his money. And I sent a screenshot saying, yeah, it's done now. And he was just gushing. He said, man, you're the nicest woman ever. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I thought the money was gone and I'm 16 and I need it for college and I'm saving up for a car and this and that. And so I said, well, you know, I've actually just written a book on doing gentle. So, you know, it would be really weird if I stole your money. It's your money. And he was like, wow, you write books? <laughs> Well, no, but I've written one book and it's called Doing Gentle. And I sent him a link um, 
And, you know, five minutes later, he said, did you get the order? Did you get my money? I bought the book. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, wow, that's so sweet of you. Yeah, it was so cute. And he was just, man, I was just, I was panicking when I found out that they'd sent it to the wrong number. And I thought I'd never see the money. And I've spent, you know, days upon days playing 10, 12 hours of Fortnite for the past six months. And I thought it was just all for nothing. So happy. So isn't that the cutest little story? It was, it was so cute of him to buy my book. So now there's a 16-year-old kid who's indebted to me for life. Um, or maybe not. But, you know, I think that's a good, it's mm-hmm. a good thing to do, right? Yeah, and it's uh, it could be a good headline. Like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg does something good in spite of himself or something like that. <laughs> because Mark that's Zuckerberg the thing. unintentionally spreads goodwill. Yeah, because it's like, how did he find me? Or has he DM'd like the other 50 or 100 or 200 or however many Helena Roths there are in the world? Because I know there's actually another Helena Roth in Sweden even. So it's like, did he just spam everybody? Or did he know it was Mimi? And how could he know it was Mimi? Um, I haven't asked him, but yeah. It's it's cute. That's not that can't be too hard to know though. You had my name. <sighs> Millennials, you know, they think everything is fucking easy. And possibly, you know, I'm guessing he also had Benjamin's name. We're old, yeah. Caspian. There's a whole lot of stuff that's just really not that obvious. We actually well, if go he had Benjamin's all 50 name as names, well, you know, and. Because you're friends with Benjamin on Facebook, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, come on, guys. <laughs> this is not even But he doesn't work. know Benjamin there. <sighs> no, I'm but you sure can search your others. friends because your friend's uh, friend list is open. Yeah. So you can search but, comma, I mean, still, friends. I'm so you can actually, just search for Benjamin. There's like, probably on. Benjamin Roths out there too, whose mom's Yeah, but still, on. how many connections but would there be in fun. Sweden, in Malmö? Come on. I don't even know if he knew I was in Sweden. You're so like next level, dude. (laughs) Yeah, you take away part of the magic of the story. (laughs) There were elves involved, okay? Precisely, precisely. I think it was, it felt really good and it felt really good to be able to like calm him down, chill. So, here we are. That's me. What about you? Any cute stories? Nope. (laughs) I don't think so. Any uncute stories? Yeah. The Grinch is always working. You're in Grinch mode again. No, not again. still? (laughs) Still, still, absolutely still. Always already Grinching. It's going to be Easter soon. They're going to murder Jesus. Of course the Grinch is around. What do you mean? 
true. I mean, there's all those Easter bunnies to like denigrate and, you know. Was the Easter bunny evil just like the, the Santa Claus uh, German original was an evil one? I think it's all evil until the Christians come. Hmm. Have I told you about the crazy uh, Santa movie that I saw with my grandfather's wife? This is getting crazy already, but go right ahead. <laughs> okay. so, I don't so think you told she, us. She's been working with film for, for you know, all of her life. Um, and at this point, she was working for the Danish Film Institute, I think, and sort of got to decide who got money for, for doing films, uh, stuff like that. Um, and so she got a bunch of samples and, you know, full-length movies and, and production. Her name is in, in you know, a pavilion, pavilion movies uh, as some sort of co-producer, funding manager, whatever. Um, so this, my, my mom and my grandfather went to Hungary because that's, that's where <coughs> they came from. So they went on a study trip and I was maybe 13 14, something like that. So I was sleeping at her place. So, so my grandfather's uh, wife's, uh, her name is Liana. Um, so sleeping at, at Liana's place. Um, and she was like, well, let's, let's uh, watch a movie. It could be cozy. Uh, it was sort of wintry and quite dark. Um, I was like, sure. I mean, never been big on movies, but... But why not? Um, this movie comes on. It's it's a Finnish movie. Um, they're they're up in the north of Finland, um, little little village. It starts off with with you know boys under my age, so so they might be twelve, maybe eleven, some a little bit older. Yeah. So did you say boys under your age? So you actually sort of saying something about you being a boy? Right now. No, under my age when I watched the At movie. At the time, yeah. And okay. how old time. were you when you watched the movie? About 13. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I think I said that before. Yeah, you, but I'm, you I'm pretty sure. I was getting these ideas of you being a toy boy. and so You said it was a weird story, so just carry on. <laughs> Finland in the north, young boys. Young boys in a small village. Um, and it starts off with them walking around with cigarettes and guns. Not well, guns, guns. Guns. They're threatening one of the boys who doesn't smoke and who doesn't have a gun. It's just this crazy world of, of small gangster boys running this village. Jesus. Sort of, you know. At Christmas. Yeah, around Christmas time. Mm. And the whole story unfolds and it's, naked men walking around and you know these boys running around with shotguns and driving around in pickups and stuff like that and the the plot of the story is santa claus has been been frozen in a big ice block and all of these naked men are being being uh hypnotized to help him sort of um go out of this ice block 
but they're all evil and the Santa Claus is also evil. So the whole movie ends with this this nice boy who doesn't have a gun. He drops himself with a bomb into you know, a hive of these zombie naked men blows up Santa Claus and these naked men. It's just a, a mis, mix match of, of just crazy... Uh, I can't even, you know, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And they're speaking Finnish? Yes. Or, um, I think it was texted to, to or subtitled with, with Swedish. So did you subtitles. get trauma counseling? I no, never I'm, did, I'm just but I, I really should have. <laughs> I really should have. It was such a crazy movie. I, I, I still, it's, it's still one of one of the strangest, strangest things I've ever. No wonder you're not big on Christmas. And movies. And movies. <laughs> yeah. Because you were subjected to naked Finnish man Christmas porn by your grandfather's wife when you were 13. Yep. That's what happened. Weird shit. <laughs> Hashtag me too. So good, uh, good. Um, I think the, the, the hip way to say it is segue. Shall we segue into this? new subject what's the um, new subject is me no. too oh not so new maybe not new so for new. us but um in sweden this week uh the former uh, chancellor of justice was in jail for three days um yes. charged with uh raping a young colleague over christmas eve so i thought christmas eve me too you know um Let's do it. <laughs> the North. Well, wait, wait, could you please un unwrap this story for us? Because I Well, heard it. what happens is that there's this report in the news that says big Justice Department profile jailed for rape. Um, and I don't want to go into all the sort of details about how the Swedish justice system works, but um, he's actually arrested and jailed. Um, accused of rape by a colleague, by a, a colleague, um, and the media just report that it's a um, very well-known profile. So a few days later, he instructs his lawyer to make public that it's him. He's the former Chancellor of Justice. He's a he is the justice profile. He's not like a justice profile. You know, he's he's a big deal. Now, this guy was a big deal a long time ago um, when he uh, stepped down from his his job at the at the chancellery. He had this interview on TV, like a really spectacular interview. He says that um, <clears throat> the the quality of uh, judicial uh, I don't know what you would call it in English. Rettsekerheit, judicial security. It sounds like a weird way to say it. What's rettsekerheit in the English? The integrity of the, of the judicial integrity, system, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It says yeah. the 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 degree of judicial integrity in Sweden is so low that basically uh, the by far the majority of cases appearing in front of courts are compromised. And it's a huge deal. You know, I mean, he's like the Chancellor of Justice. And I mean, in the studio, he's, he's uh, 
co-interviewee, and this is all so un-Swedish, you know, says to him, you can't say that. How could you possibly say something like that in public? It's, well, I'm saying it because I think it's true, because I think we have a crisis, because we're in really deep shit here, you know? And I mean, this is like, <laughs> they, this thing got buried so quickly. It's like nobody managed to sneeze before it had completely disappeared. And he then made a very, very short uh, sort of media comeback in the, the question of a certain Thomas Quick. And Thomas Quick uh, is a uh, person who was accused and charged of, um, I don't know, 20 murders. Yeah, 17, I mean, he's 18, like something like that. The biggest serial killer ever. <clears throat> and... You know, the the forensic evidence not only didn't exist, but in many cases uh, was just basically fabricated. And um, Quick had insisted that he had actually committed these murders. Um, and he was he was he was in a psychiatric institute. And this guy who's accused of rape, he had taken the line that um, the, the Thomas Quick case was 100% true and that he should have been uh, um, jailed for all of those uh, murders and et cetera, et cetera. So he kind of lost a certain respect at that time because he was so totally committed to that Thomas Quick had not basically, you know, just led everybody at the garden path by saying that he'd committed all of these murders. And it's very possible that he did commit some of the murders, um, yeah. or even one, uh, you know, but not 17 or 18 where there was just, I mean, even the most basic detective work would have sort of told you that this doesn't fit anyway. So, so a lot of the people who were led up that garden path, very obligingly walked up that garden path too. They did. Um, yes. and it's, it's really interesting social psychology stuff. So this guy, who's now the former Chancellor of Justice, he's a big profile, he gets accused of, of rape and he gets put in jail. Um, and the media are having a field day about the profile. And in, in Sweden, it's kind of like, it's one of these weird double standard things where you legally are not allowed to publish the names of people uh, uh, that are involved in legal cases. Um, so after a few days, three or four days, he instructs his lawyer to go public with his name. And at this case, at, at this time, um, it's already known that the woman who's accusing him of rape has in the past three years had three or four other rape accused cases where she has accused men of raping her and the cases have fallen apart. Now he's uh, supposed to, she's supposed to have damning evidence um, of uh, text conversations and so on. And yesterday the state prosecutor released him um, on the basis that it was very unlikely that there would be a uh, conviction. <clears throat> so there's lots of really difficult things to deal with uh, in, in this kind of um, process, you know, that um, Christmas Me Too is a deeply uncomfortable business. 
because he's basically, he has said publicly that she's lying. And the, the one side of the, of the story, which is, is, is um, the Me Too uh, believe her hashtag kind of world, is that when a woman accuses a man of rape, it must be so, because otherwise she wouldn't do it. Because the system is so horribly balanced against the integrity of women that for a woman to accuse a man of rape in itself involves terrible trauma. So if she's going to be prepared to go through that trauma, it must be true that she's done it. And that's the one side of it. And there's been a, quite a bit of that stuff in Sweden, for example, around uh, Julian Assange. Uh, there's another journalist that recently got uh, totally just, <clears throat> you know, doxed in public endlessly until eventually he got a, a libel trial decision in his favor. Um, and that business is still going on. I mean, she continues to, to say that um, he raped her. So the, the, <clears throat> the advocate for the woman who's the accuser, her name is not public. Um, but her advocate points out that her past has been dragged into the story and that the issue has been judged in the media and that it's impossible to have a fair trial and that this is a real travesty and so on and so on. Um, and then the other side of the story is, is uh, the also all too familiar uh, uh, process where men are accused of sexual inconduct um, and, well, from their point of view, it's completely possibly arbitrary, uh, possibly just revenge, uh, possibly some sort of, of uh, uh, social pressure, um, but certainly not anything based on any kind of evidence. You know? And there's many of these cases, some of them very high profile, uh, like with uh, Greg Kavanaugh, for example, when he was going to be um, uh, uh, put into the, the courts in the United States. Uh, and a woman appeared and said that he had uh, he had raped her at a at a party when they were in college, um, and it was some twenty years ago, possibly more. Yeah. Uh, um, and it brings up really difficult things, you know, that that often uh, socially we find hard to work with. Um, judicially, I think there's. Uh, uh, probably despite what, what uh, the good ex-chancellor says, there's probably more judicial integrity uh, at a judicial le level than what there is socially. Because socially, um, Julian Assange is a rapist. That's the end of the story. Uh, you know, uh, the chancellor, definitely, there's something about him that isn't okay. You know, um, there is that kind of, of trial by media also. This guy uh, uh, from a major Swedish newspaper, I mean, he lost his job um, <clears throat> because he was accused of rape. The newspaper just uh, cut him loose. And he still carries the effects of this whole process with him. Mm. And this kind of uh, spectrum, at least from a social point of view, uh, is really not easy to sort out because there's 
undoubtedly some really sick shit going on in how women are treated in society, you know. Um, that's just one of those undeniable facts on so many levels. Um, yeah, you can talk about a confoculation here. It's a, definitely a confoculation. Yeah. But the Chancellor did manage to write a 150-page book while he was in jail those three days, and it's on its way to the, the publishers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... Because it's, it's, it's like you say, it's just inside my brain hearing this, there's a confoculation going on too, right? It's like, because it is like you say, this former whatever, what do you call him? Chancellor of... Chancellor of Justice. Justice. Yeah. Chancellor mm -hmm. of Justice, yeah. I totally lost all respect for him during that Thomas Quick, the unraveling of the total just shithouse of, of that process. It was like, there's ego, there is plain ego speaking here, you know, a person who cannot say that, hey, fuck, I was I, wrong. I made you know? a mistake. <laughs> I made a mistake. It's like, no, don't, don't, don't. I cannot, I cannot, you know, <clears throat> never mind what the ev evidence that came up. Mm. So he lost my respect back then because it was just like, this is just dumb. So I didn't, you know, I don't follow media that closely, but I saw something about someone. I was like, oh, what's this? So I actually clicked on a link and saw just the, the headlines of, of, the, of the story. Um, I think as he was... Um, just as he had released his name. Um, but then you go, yeah, and just because a woman has been involved in four other rape accusations, can that mean that she cannot have been raped again? Three, whatever. You know, it's like, well, <coughs> no, yeah, it's likely that, but you know, so it's just, ugh. Implosion. Mm. Mental implosion. Mm. And I'd like to just, you know, go all Pollyanna and say, can't we just all be nice to one another? Wouldn't that be so much easier? Yeah, it would, but that's not what we are, mm. is it? <clears throat> and there's something sort of quite... Um... It, it, it's like there's a there's a hint of something really valuable and instructive in the midst of all of this, you know, that, as you say, there's a lot of ego, there's a lot of narcissism. Um, and uh, even if somebody has, if they've been robbed three times and they get robbed again, you know, if we sort of uh, take this away from from the, the, the emotional weight of, of sexual violence, um, well, you know, if, if one of my kids is going to get robbed three times and gets robbed again, I really have to ask myself, how is that possible? Mm. You know, what's going on here? Where is he getting robbed or where is she getting robbed? At what time of day? What are they doing there? What are the signals they're sending? Um, how much do they know about the society they're in? What sort of, uh, you know, streetwise mm. attitudes they have? And then I have to ask, 
you know, what's going on in the society. Is it really possible that there's, you know, robberies going on at the bus station? Yes, actually, there, there is that possibility. Okay, yeah, well, then probably it's reasonable for my kid to go to the bus station and just wait there. Um, why shouldn't they? That should be okay, you know. Uh, but he has kids robbing them. Well, then I have to ask a whole series of other questions. And I mean, these are, I take, the, I use this example because it's actually true, you know, that uh, in, in my two closest uh, neighborhoods, the bus stations had been, uh, you know, um, places where people were getting robbed. I mean, kids were having their, their Nikes pulled from their feet. Um, mm. And these are relatively small villages. There happened to be no police stations around, um, you know, so and so and so and so. But my point is that we don't really have the, the, the tools to have that conversation about someone like uh, uh, this chancellor who's a really big deal. Um, and uh, we don't really have the tools to have conversations about women having agency in the world. Um, because if you say the slightest thing, it would be interpreted as that you're blaming the victim. Um, So it's possible that everybody in these situations, nobody is innocent and nobody is guilty. Yeah. That there's this series of really messy human behaviors. Some of them may even uh, break the law, including accusing people of things that they didn't do. That's also liable, you know, but because he's had his day in court, um, <clears throat> that's okay. But if she now goes and 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 makes accusations in the paper, as has happened in other cases in Sweden, then that's liable, but the, the man may not be able to find relief. How do we do with this stuff? It's like, it, it, it just seems to me that there's something really interesting just behind the, the periphery of, of sort of, um, available insights, if you like. And, and one of the ways we deal with it is by not dealing with it. Yeah. That seems to be the, the, the most common way of dealing with it is, okay, if I ignore this, it hasn't happened, it won't affect me, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to be. <coughs> yeah. And I think that's why they created the laws in Sweden around uh, um, sexual crimes or, or um, uh, sexual violence to be so all-encompassing that absolutely everything gets called rape. Mm. So then there shouldn't be a discussion anymore. It's like now we've gotten the one answer that sort of the silver bullet that fixes everything. So now we don't have to deal with it anymore. But then it just cr creates more mess, you know. <laughs> yeah, which also brings up this this like personally, I was writing the other week about what constitutes sex, you know? Mm. What does it mean to have sex? 
somehow in my brain, it's gotten to be equated with penis enters vagina equals sex. No? If, Sorry, if there's could, no could you penis, repeat that formula again? Just penis plus vagina for my records. penis enters vagina <laughs> equals sex. It's like it has to be penetrative sex, which means then that, okay, <clears throat> lesbian couples aren't having sex, oral sex isn't sex, you know, everything this, this else is, you can do without a penis entering. Precisely. And it's it's really, really interesting to see how it's like, Somehow there's this thing that that equals sex. The other things is that other thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So where does rape then enter into that? Uh, just messes it up even more. Um, and, and it was interesting because I wrote, I wrote <laughs> about this and I shared it in a community. And, and it was interesting to see the... The responses. Most people seem to have that same type of, like, there's something to it. It's like there has to be the possibility of babies in the end, otherwise, it's not sex. Um, but it really isn't. It is so much more. Uh, so, yeah, what is then rape and what isn't rape? Mm -hmm. uh, shit, it's not easy things to 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 even try to mm. get your wrap your head around <clears throat> yeah and they're kind of like um, parallel branches you know domestic violence against men for example yeah. we don't want to talk about that we don't um, want to talk about that. The numbers are kind of staggering, but we don't want to talk about it. That's not a good idea. Um, in the arena of, of political correctness, there's issues of gender, race, et cetera, et cetera, that are like full of these kind of problems. You know, if you have a, a bunch of students that start a... Um, uh, HBQLGT, was that all of them, I think? Um, a letter society. You know, <clears throat> then, uh, yay, you know, let's fund that. That's a great idea, you know. Then you have a bunch of kids that are going to start a, um, what are they called? Uh, uh, sick, uh, there's a specific word for straight. Um, Cis. Cis, cis society, you know, or the white student society or whatever. It's a total fucking scandal. It's like on the national news, you know. Okay, so. We had one of those cases, or, well, not exactly, but, but we had, uh, Malmö University had a, I think it was film and art studies, a master in film and art studies. Mm -hmm. um, where a teacher had shown um, stereotypes of racist, racist stereotypes, something it like that. It was actually the so sexology Oh, uh, sexology, students. right. Sexology right. students or whatever. And the, and, the, and the theme of this specific lecture was 
um, racial stereotypes historically, something mm, like that. Mm, mm. Um, and and to make the story short, um, the the students were angry because the teacher had shown them stereotypes, right. racial stereotypes <clears throat> throughout the history on pictures. Um, and it's become a scandal mm. nationwide. You can't show the, that kind of pictures in, in a classroom mm. for master students. Mm. Yeah, and that, it, that, 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 sorry, go ahead, Helena. Well, it, it's just, yes, and come on, students, you're silly, you're just being so letkrenkta. So easily offended that it's ridiculous. And, and some student, other student had mm. written and said that, yeah, I was in this class and somebody was saying this or that about racism and it really triggered me and I'm so grateful for it because that's the whole point of being at a university. And then yesterday or the day before, I read another piece by someone who's also a teacher at the university who said that, it's not about that lecture. It's about the program for those sexologists as, you know, the big picture. This isn't the only thing or the only time these students have shouted and said, hey, there's something seriously fucked up about our entire program. Um, so we need to have the really uncomfortable conversations. That's what she was saying. It was like, oh yeah, here's somebody who's, who's, you know, coming to this point of, you know, there's more to be said here and we're really avoiding it by sticking to the simple story where it's easily pegged black or white, right or wrong. That's the bad guy. That's the good guy. Um, and it's not like that because it's life and we're humans and we're messy. Yeah, yeah, we're also. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Caspian. We're also. No, but it, it, there, there's just a, a short thing where, where um, in Vikings, you know, Ragnar Lodbrok, they have a fight publicly, and he says a brilliant line to to his then wife. He says, "Should we really do our dirty laundry in front of other people?" It's like we, we're doing all of our dirty laundry in front of other people in the public. Why do they need to have this conversation in the national newspapers? Why is that important Ooh. to have those messy fucking conversations? They could, they could communicate the results and say, hey, we learned this. Ooh. But do they need to have all of us having Ooh. opinions on Ooh. this whole process when we don't have the information needed? Ooh. We don't need to see the dirty laundry. We need to see the results. We need to learn as a society. But we don't need the whole conversation in public. Because we can't handle it, obviously. Mm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not really sure that I agree with you. Um, but I think you, you point at one of the really, really crucial uh, issues in the, in the question. And that is that we have this really uh, infectedly uh, very, very sick information ecosystem in which the business model drives what the result is going to be. So it doesn't matter what the ethics are. It doesn't matter what the issues are. 
the business model demands that there's going to be an easy clickable answer that generally polarizes people, which leads to more business, which leads to more clicks, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I think we do need to have that information in public. I think we do need to have the, the messy conversation. But yes, we don't really have the arenas. We don't necessarily have the skills. Um, and it, it makes that quite difficult because, the, as you say, there's, there are issues that need to be taken on. I mean, we've spoken previously about, for example, the different effects of the Enlightenments um, on our society. And one of them is what our intellectual heritage is. And that intellectual heritage is full of really unfortunate shadows. And that's just how it is. You know, we do have to confront those problems. We do have to have those conversations. But when we have those conversations, the arenas in which we have the conversations are owned by the Colosseum. And it's run like a fucking gladiator show. <laughs> so if someone doesn't die, it's not an interesting conversation. And they need to die within the first, like, 90 seconds because the crowd gets bored and they go to the next Colosseum, you know. And, you know, eventually this becomes systemic in which either the rape accuser must die or the, the rape accused must die. But we need to have some blood. And it doesn't really matter which one. It doesn't matter what the issue is. As long as there's a sense of injustice, as long as there's a sense of offense, as long as there's a sense of, uh, you know, some sort of imbalance, somewhere someone can uh, hook onto the, the, the victimology of it. Preferably, all parties can hook onto the victimology of it as the predominant uh, theme, as the sort of predominant mimetic driving force. Um, well, then that's good, you know. And as a result, it's virtually fucking impossible to make sense of any of it. It's very hard to have those conversations with, uh, with your children or with your colleagues or anything like that because... There's nothing really that you can stand on. There's nothing solid you can stand on. In the end, you simply have to take a side. Mm. And, and I would also say that I don't know what's the hen and what's the egg here, but we can't have the, or we're really bad at having the dirty, messy laundry laundered out in public. But we're equally bad at doing that in private. I mean... Family dysfunctionality, uh, yeah, mm. right? How many, how many married couples or, or, or couples or families or whatever are really able to deal with their shit, mm. you know, in any way that's constructive? Not a lot, in, in honestly. In our society, yeah. In, in, in our, our society, in, in this yeah. kind of um, construct. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's like, what do we do? Well, we... We, we really don't. We have the domestic violence. We have the divorces. We have the, the, the depressions and the anxiety medication. And I don't know everything that we have because we, we don't know how to have those fucking conversations in private either. So no wonder it really hits the fan when it goes public. But I would say it's, it's no wonder because we're bad at it. We don't see people. We don't see constructive or constructive is possibly even the wrong word, you know, but we don't see people going down and deep and being real 
in a way where there is, I think, what makes the difference, openness. You know, if the only thing I'm doing is defending myself by pummeling you, Mm. it's not really going to do any difference. You know, it's, what's the point? It isn't. Mm. The only thing that can make that change or make any difference really is if I am open to, you know, figure out what the heck am I thinking about here and what do I hear you say and how does that affect me and where can we find somewhere where we say, oh, now I see what you're saying. I'm saying this and you're saying this. Ha, there's, you know, three kilometers between us. No wonder we're not on even ground here. Mm. You know, but we don't come to that in private. So how should we be able to do it in public? Mm. I was reading the other day, there was a little news snippet flashing by that the number of weddings last year had gone down significantly, but the same amount of divorces, I think. Or, you know, so. So weddings cause divorces? Apparently. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's hard to be human. And, and there are so few good role models or so few of us have good role models. So somehow being open with the messy conversations, whatever the arena is, in a sense, I think is good because that's what can make me, if, again, if I have that openness, if there's a, a, a willingness in me of, of finding out why am I so stuck on this belief? What's the thing? What's the, wh where does this come from? Or, or why? How does this serve me? What's the point to this? Why do I feel so strongly about this? And you should just shut up because you think something else. Mm. You know? Yeah, the, the, the sort of de-platform cancel solution it works really well. You know, when I don't agree with you, you shouldn't have a voice. End of story. So for the listeners, sarcasm there works really well. No, but yeah, <laughs> just to make sure if anybody else got confused. Um. <laughs> well, I think that it's, it's, it's function is evident. It increases polarity and it drives business. Yeah. So, yes, it does work well. If yeah. you're in agreement of what the, the objective from is, from the business then, model, yes, yeah, it works really well, at least in the short term. And during that time, we can probably find some new strategies that will continue to make it working well. I mean, the the role model thing is really interesting, you know, because you're going to find people posting stuff with. Gandhi, you know, be the change you want to be. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, 
Be money. the change you want to see. Yeah. Whatever, you know, be the change you want. Sorry, sorry. I got same, some mean same, wrong. Same, but different. Apologies. Mm. And uh, there's the, the supposed Mandela quote that uh, uh, I think is actually from Marion Williamson about Williamson, light. you know, about our, the light, the light. Um, what scares us isn't our darkness, it is our light. There yeah. you are, I see. I know it. And in many ways, these kind of role models are simply completely out of your reach. So they're not really role models. You may as well have a picture of God, you know, or Jesus saying, um, take the narrow road to heaven or you know, whatever. It's not going to happen. There has to be, uh, you know, you, you use uh, often an example of, of uh, what's he called, Parker Palmer, um, the guy that appears on, on being pretty often, you know. Uh, I think of uh, Pema Chodron, for example. Mm. Um, if you've read uh, Pema Chodron's book, uh, Things Fall Apart, or When Things Fall Apart, I'm not sure whether, what the title is. Um, and, and, and those worlds are kind of full of very, very mundane realities. You know, there's, there's no big woo-woo, there's no light, um, there's no... Uh, big social change, you know, it's simply about dealing with your shit. And that's kind of not really publishable, you know. There isn't a lot of clicks for, you know, saying, well, you know, today I put my hand up um, because uh, I got angry with my kids and uh, actually I was, I was completely wrong and stupid and infantile and um, uh, it wasn't their fault. So I said, sorry, you know, daddy lost it. Daddy lost his shit. Scroll past, scroll past, scroll past. Yes scroll. and no. It doesn't fit in the business. Yes, you know. Precisely. It doesn't mm. fit in the business model of the thing. No. Um, but we still want it, though. Huh? What do you I mean? There, there are people. There, we still want it. People, yeah. people are still. I mean, it gets a lot of engagement on socials when someone puts up their hand and says, "Hey, I fucked up." Well, you know, I don't want to sound cynical, but from what I've noticed on social media, folks have kind of realized that putting your hand up and saying I did wrong is such a fantastic game enabler. You just get so much cred, you know, for, and that's sure. also real, you know, 100%. unfortunately. Um, I mean, it is a game, absolutely, 100%. Ooh. And it isn't. And for some people, it's probably bullshit, and they're doing it for the game. And for other people, it's not bullshit, and they're doing it. And then there's the game. I mean, so I realized me, if I it's realized... not bullshit, then why put it in your feed? I really have to ask. What's the well, fucking point? Well, why do I blog? Why do I write? I blog because I, I mean, don't write unless I publish. 
there, there's that as mm-hmm. well. But there's also, this has been on my mind so much lately that, that, that I can't stress this enough. There are two things that are deeply asymmetric <laughs> that you can do. The one is coding. The other one is, is publishing media. Those are the, the two most asymmetric things because they can work whenever you can't. They can do things for you when, around the clock. Um, and they don't cost, I mean, virtually anything. So you don't have any overheads. Mm. That's where you should publish media. That's, that's where you should put out the real stuff because it can do things for you when you can't. Mm. It can produce value for people. It can do good in the world when you can't. Mm. Helena's blog posts can be read whenever you wrote the Doing Gentle blog post, what, five years ago? 2016. Yeah. That's what. Five, five years ago. Yeah. They're still doing good in the world. That's why you should put out the real stuff. And whether or not that's on your feed or it's on your blog or it's on a podcast or your YouTube channel or, or TikTok or whatever, mm. doesn't really matter. There mm. are different types of media today. There are different platforms of or for media today. Mm. Doesn't matter. The principles are the same. Mm. I completely, I completely understand your question because I know that you deeply distrust these big platforms. What? But, but I'm saying <laughs> Me? the principles Distrust? are the same. <laughs> I was putting it very lightly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the 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 maybe the you know the 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 point I'm trying to make is that if I make a mistake in my relationship with either of you, um, for me it would be a kind of a, a purely narcissistic action to write on Facebook. Gee, you know, I said the wrong thing to Caspian. Now, I know that there's a lot of people that may not agree with me that might think that, uh, gee, but that was really nice. So for me, the thing is that if I've offended you, if I've done something wrong, then I need to have contact with you. Yeah, I need to How come are those mutually say, exclusive? Well, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, but for me, it's when you make a point of, do we really need to be doing our dirty laundry in public? Um, this is kind of, for me, a, a, a nuanced shift, you know, um, that's really important. So um, if I'm going to do my dirty laundry in public, uh, then I'm going to write... Uh, I called Caspian a baldy because I'm really insecure about what I look like. Um, and as a result, I really need to kind of try and dominate our relationship. And I've started to appreciate that that really sucks. And, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really sorry that I said that Caspian and anybody else that has had to suffer that type of behavior from me. Um, I'm really sorry. I'm working on it. So this is not entertainment for anybody. This is just like mea culpa, 
Um, you know, but I don't think that a lot of people do that. I really don't. I don't see it. I don't see much of, and I, I mentioned the one guy in the press in Sweden that put his hand up and said, I really fucked up around Corona. Well, there's been a lot of opportunity to do that. Holy fuck, have people fucked up around Corona? How many people are putting their hands up, even professionally, and saying, you know, uh, 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 that was a bit quick, you know, I, I might have waited a little while and I didn't. Don't even have to motivate it about how much pressure you have career-wise, etc., etc. So I don't think they need to be mutually exclusive, but I do think that uh, being wrong, putting your hand up and being wrong um, in a personal relationship is something that you have to resolve by being in contact with that other person, not in a public space, because that's a power play. That's not where you start. Because when I go out and say, gee, sorry, Caspian, how easy is it for you to say, I don't accept? But, but or and, um, I think it, there's a difference too. When I write something on social media about, hey, I did wrong, if that's the first thing that I do to, to make amends, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, then I'm headed down the wrong path. If that's my reflection after I have been in touch with Caspian, after I have said, shit, I'm sorry, that was all my stuff. Um, you know, if there's a reflection there and I put that on social media, mm. that I think is good or can be good. Depending Ooh. on how I, you know, phrase it, it's like, oh, I was the victim and Caspian was such a mean thing. Well, no, you know, but if, if it's a reflective piece where it's like, yeah, I learned this about me. I, I dared have the messy conversation with him and, you know, that taught me that, oh, yeah, I didn't die this time around either or whatever it is. Ooh. I don't see the point to that. But when you, when you, so there's kind of a difference between airing your dirty laundry in public as it's dirty or, you know, bringing it forth when you've cleaned it and folded it and, and saying, this shit was really dirty before and this is what I learned when I was washing it. Mm. Um, that's a big difference. Mm. I think having the, having the difficult conversations, like over text, oh no, don't. You know, much easier, yeah, really not a bad, good thing, you know, mm. get in touch with the person, preferably face to face if you can. Mm. Talk it out because that's the uncomfortable stuff, mm. right? But that's the only way that, that I can truly sense you, mm. <laughs> see you, mm. see all of the shifts in, in, in your body language and, and all of that stuff. Mm. Um, so if I put stuff on social media as a way to get away from that, mm. you know, it's like, well, maybe think again. Mm. Um, but, but if it's a reflection after I've done all of that stuff, I'd say I want more of that because that's, that's for sh real the thing that I see when, when, or what I, it, 
What I like about those pieces of people, people putting their hand up and saying, hey, fuck, you know, I said this and then this happened and, and then I did this and, and here I am and I'm still alive and I learned this and, and please tell me next time if you see me heading down the same path that, hey, you remember what you wrote? You said that. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the reminder. Right. I, I like that when it's real. Yeah, and I know that you make a huge effort to do that. I mean, you do write those pieces and you do make them real, but you don't write them um, from a, a, a from the perspective of the business model. No. So what you what you're writing is is something quite different. What you're writing is something about um, a process of being human. Yes. So it's not like you're going out and saying, uh, wow, I admitted a mistake. No. And I think others do the same. Well, I think there probably are people that do the same. Um, and I'm saying that I think that that really isn't the way that the, the, the social media landscape works. Because if it was, we probably wouldn't have started off this conversation in which uh, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to sort out a situation where two people who happen to have public profiles have probably really fucked up, both of them. And probably, uh, you know, if it were possible to have that conversation in which both people could say, this is what I did wrong. I see this, you know, this is like what I do and this is what I did. And the other one says, yeah, this is what I do and this is what I did. Yeah, And, you know, when you do that, then this brings out this thing in me, which I'm not very proud of. Um, oh, yeah, gee, that's interesting because I get a similar response when you do that thing that you're not proud of. I get like drawn into this behavior, you know, and then it becomes something where it's possible to actually discern a relationship. Um, to experience and, something more meaningful. And you're right. That is not how social media landscape works. No. And because then my realness should have me millions of followers, right? It doesn't. But it's still, you know, that's also something we can do on them. Let's put it that way. Yes, roads are built for cars, but you can also walk on them. Uh, or you can also play like land hockey out. Um, you know, it's like you can do that other thing on them too. Um, you can. My question is why? Well, because for me, again, I don't write unless I publish. Yeah, but you publish a blog. I do publish a blog and I, so far, I've not had a lot of traction on the blog. More people find me on social media. Sure. Nowadays, I'm thinking about that, you know, is it really? Because the, the communities that I'm a part of that are non-Facebooky give me a lot more feedback and interaction so mm. i don't know if i will stay on facebook that way 
Um, but so far, I have. Because I think there is value, at least some of it. I don't doubt that there's value. I just think that, uh, well, it's not that I think that. We, uh, 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 this stuff operates in a neurological landscape in which people are completely defenseless to the behaviors that they absolutely will eventually follow. That's not a speculation. It's a, a provable fact. You can definitely drive behavior. You can drive clicks. You can drive cultures. Um, that shit is real, you know. That's happening. Yes, and... Yes, and... I don't have to, you know. People send me these weird messages, you know. Oh, somebody on BBC said this and that, and please inform everybody you know. It's like, no, I don't fall for that. <laughs> and right? good for you. A lot a of people huge, do. Yeah, huge I know, number of people but do. not everybody does. Not no, everybody does. About ninety-five percent of, of users will follow algorithmic yeah. prompts. Yeah. You know, brain stem, reptiles. So, 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 what is your question, really, Dominic? Or I don't know. Your... I only have answers. That's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> Look how happy he is with that answer. Oh, don't, wow. don't offend me with saying that I ask questions. For God's sake, you know. Oh no, I'm sorry. The yeah. the big the, the big D is in the house and he's got all the answers. Thank you. You know. I've been working on my certainty profile, you know, for so long. I mean in in the in the sort of great time of uncertainty. Like I am the commodity that everybody wants. Mm. Click on me. Say yes to Dom. No, but seriously, well, because well, because no, but just to just to frame it, because I can see a lot of analogies that are similar to me, like news mm. is is a whole. I mean that there's it's it's been infected. We I I had a very heated discussion discussion with my girlfriend about this a couple of weeks ago, about how it's infected. Mm. In the same way that socials are, mm. do we need to continue having news? Is that what, what you know? So, so what is your question really, and and how does it relate to other other close? I don't know, close close arenas, close areas of life. Mm. Well, I don't think that my my kind of. Uh, question or questions are very dissimilar to yours. Um, I find the, the 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 sort of information ecosystem that I exist in to be really really challenging, very weird. You know, nothing like I've uh, sort of that I'm prepared for. My education hasn't prepared me for this. My my life experience hasn't prepared me for this. It's like 
it 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 doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, it's weird stuff. It's stuff that I I, I cannot uh, put into any sort of 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 stable arena. As soon as I do that, then there's some or other really important uh, uh, um, uh, exception. Okay, so, you know, what am I going to do with that? And that's really my, my question. What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this problem? Whether it's a Me Too at Christmas problem or whether it's um, the Americans occupying a third of Syria and stealing all of the oil kind of problem, um, whether it's uh, an issue at the, the local university. I mean, none of these things arise last week. You know, it takes a long time. It's like, uh, yes, it can be a lot faster in, in a digital age. The effects of, of social media have been faster than any other cultural uh, um, phenomena than, than we've seen. But really the question for me that I want to grapple with is how do we uh, direct our attention? How do we direct our efforts, my efforts, my attention, um, in order to achieve that thing that, uh, for example, Juliana mentions, that it's within the community uh, that, that uh, she will find most traction. It's in personal relationships that uh, actual results are possible. I heard a, a, a researcher talk about um, polarization, particularly talking about white identity. And he says one of the things that he picks up in uh, Scandinavia, um, he's a Canadian researcher. Um, and he says one of the things, it's just kind of a passing comment in, a, in, a, in an interview. And he says one of the things that he picks up about polarization is that it's far more difficult for polarization to occur across the aisle, meaning in parliament, um, in, in, in political environments in Scandinavia, because everybody knows one another. The populations are so small that politicians are personally uh, uh, in contact with each other really possible, and they can't sustain the polarization. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, where there's relationship, this shit is not possible. It's kind of like they don't go together. Instead of, of polarization, you have messy conversations. And they may take a long time, and they may get really heated, and they may get really infected, but there's still some sort of uh, ground, some sort of basis from which to work with. And many of these social platforms where you have 5,000 contacts, um, well, you know, it's, it's unlikely that you have contact with your 5,000 contacts. As you say, yes, there's asymmetry to be applied. You can publish, you can reach a huge number of people. Um, you can have a message, you know. Uh, but the likelihood of, of your message, if I'm talking about relationship being important uh, and I publish those kind of things, the likelihood of that message ending up in one or another uh, uh, polarized environment in which people that read it already agree is extremely high. So we have a really kind of uh, uh, um, an infected system, a virally infected system in which 
that kind of imbalance, that kind of uh, 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 polarization happens. So for me, the question is all the time, what sort of activism can one engage in that makes is a that difference? Is that the question that, that, that you get hung up on with social media? It's my biggest hang it's, up, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's okay. I stay awake at night and, you know, I fret. <laughs> My 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 concerns about social media are quite um, simply that I think that the the effects are far greater than uh, uh, we really understand, um, and that there's really really powerful devolutionary processes happening across the spectrum of technological development that people are steadily becoming less aware, more stupid, uh, you know, less empathic, uh, less in contact, less in relationship. Uh, the senses are, are dulled, um, you know, that's, that's my concern. So my question around it is, what do we do with that? How do we work with that? Are there ways in which this is actually good for us? Do you think people would say the same about now I'm going to be a really stereotypical, but but do you think people would say the same about Dungeons and Dragons being played in the what seventies, eighties, eighties? Well, I think that's a really good question because um, in the seventies and eighties uh, there were different kinds of of TV games. You know, Atari started coming out, um, uh, and what was before that was arcade games. And there were absolutely those kind of, of discourses around um, those type of activities. And I don't recall people talking about Dungeons and Dragons in that way, um, but certainly about pinball machines, you know, that it was very bad and very evil and uh, signs of a misspent youth and all this kind of stuff. And that, Thing I think is 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 important and and valuable in the sense that we can probably uh, follow it back to um, you know uh, industrializations uh, uh, the beginning of industrialization in which innovation has with it some sort of threat element something uncertain yeah and possibly even before that I you know it's like okay TV and before that radio mm -hmm. and before that you know, opera or, you know, um, and, and before that, the printing before press. that, yeah. the printing, pr yeah, precisely. Mm. But, mm. but I think I, I, I wonder at the, I wonder if there has been a shift now that has to do with scale. Um, a lot more people spend time on social media than listen to opera when opera was invented. Mm. Um, but also about, I mean, we have, you know, there's data about um, lifespan, right? We are now actually seeing like the, the industrialized countries, lifespan is, is, expected lifespan is shrinking. It's going down again. 
you know, this has been a curve that's been steadily on the rise and now it's actually going down again. Lifespan and, um, you know, proposed wealth or, I don't know, comfort. Mm. Um, mm. And I wonder if we then also have data on how stupid are we? You know, are we getting stupider? Is there data on that? Because mm. the scale of the use of what we are all using mm. is, is so much more. Mm. Um, so I wonder if the analogy, I mean, I wonder if it's relevant really to bring up, yes, that innovation has always been questioned. Yes, that's one thing, but there's a scale factor mm. involved mm. now that mm. I think mm. is mm. unprecedented. Mm. I mean, I don't know me, a lot of people who don't have a smartphone. No. And the relevance for me is that, and, and, and why I take it up is because that response um, appears to be quite sort of well written into the, the code, you know, of, of human behavior. What the, response? The response of, 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 oi, you know, maybe this is dangerous. Uh, maybe this yeah. innovation is in some way threatening. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But what's not available um, at that level that becomes really interesting, that for me is the other part of code is coherence. So, for example, the, the internet runs on HTML. We haven't had a coherent language on the globe ever. Before. There have been some sort of, uh, you know, things that have come close. Um, but, you know, when you put that, the coherence of the underlying code that's completely invisible to everybody and the scale of it, so everybody's at a user interface level. They have smartphones in their hands, um, but they're not aware of what the, the, the code level is underneath, the deep code level that contains more than the technology. It contains the, 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 the meta insight that leads to the technology, that leads to the user interface, et cetera, et cetera. That stuff has a coherence that is unprecedented other than in the... Uh, the biologist uh, Maturana talks about autopoiesis, that uh, nature sans humans has the same metastructure, but here there's uh, a continuation. Here there's a, a, a symbiosis that leads to that the system is fairly stable. It tends towards life. So whatever is not life-affirming tends to get excluded through different kinds of adaptations. You put humans into the mix, and that balance really goes for a ball of shit, you know. Um, and now you've got humans in the mix that have actually decoded that system and start to use it in a game theoretical way. Then I think we are in real trouble. And for that reason, um, yeah, uh, the, the level at the user for interface in which we're saying this is a problem sounds a lot like the way that people responded to Dungeons and Dragons in 1972. Uh, but the issues are, I think, far more serious. What I can understand.
I think The Matrix was a great metaphor as a film. In what sense? Well, that the user interface is so damned attractive. That you know it's not steak that you're eating, but it tastes like steak and it feels like steak in your mouth, so it must be okay, you know. Then again, we have this Orwell versus Huxley um, entertaining ourselves to death. Yeah, entertaining ourselves to death. So, I mean, for me, the, the, if I have a, a, a vision of hope, you know, it's a world in which um, the two people involved in this little media drama um, uh, sort of find themselves a, a good relationship therapist and uh, go and sit down and each of them own the part that the other person is accusing them of uh, and find that like deep integrative truth that has brought them into relationship and go out into the world and be a good role model and talk about how, uh, gee, I fucked up in this way uh, and I fucked up in this way. And um, this is what motivated me to do that. And now I have a different insight. So I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. And I was saying that I thought it would be good for this to happen. And you said that there was someone who asked about the relationship. And he said, because we deal with our shit before we take it to the other. Yes. Mm. So, and that one of the, one of the ingredients into being, being able to be open to hear the other, I think, is dealing with my own shit. Um, because if I'm so mired in my own shit, you know, I don't, mm. I don't hear, I don't see, I don't see anything other than that which I am so deep in. Mm. Um, so how do you deal with your own shit if you're mired in it? Just asking. Well, so one of the things I do is I write. That's one of the things that I do that works for me mm. because I see myself then mm. and I oftentimes get behind or beyond or out from that deep shit place. Mm. Um, so writing works for me. Um, you know, talk to a wise one. Have people in your life you can talk to about that stuff. Mm. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of, plenty of ways. Um, another one might be just to not, not to get into those tricky conversations when you're on, you know, pulse racing, heart pumping, mm. 
not not the time you know likelihood that you will be able to be open to hear somebody else then bad and i think i think the same thing applies for us and as individuals i mean don't solve your dirty laundry in front of somebody else if that's not what you need i mean there there's a there's a whole bunch of things that you can do and should do with yourself as well for example as as we talked quite a lot about in in the beginning of this podcast just be you're a human being be mm. with yourself then start having messy conversations but but you know sort of do some basic groundwork on yourself first or as well i mean parallel processes mm. keeping two thoughts in your head at the same time mm. so how do you know your laundry is dirty it's always Smell dirty it. <laughs> there's always dirty laundry mm. yeah so how do you come to that insight i mean the the point for me is someone's helped you along the way you know there's like uh Another no, don't all those. of this on my own. I'm, oh, sorry, I'm a complete sorry, sorry. person. Sorry, sorry. I've never taken help from anyone. I've never read a book, never spoken to anyone, never had any help with this. Okay. I hear you. I think for me it's been curiosity. In general, mm. I've been curious my whole life. All of a sudden, there there was an ocean of of things to be curious on, or about about myself, inside, and in relation to others. After that, I guess in a way, there there has to be that that openness towards yourself first for that to be able to become a reality that you act upon you mm -hmm. need to to you need to be able to to own in a way the dirt that you produce in your own life you know i am a shit producer okay if I refuse to see that, to acknowledge that, to own that, there's no way that I can own my own shit, you know? Um, so how do, how, do we, uh, how do we mediate that message to someone who um, has made such an accusation as rape? <sighs> Publicly. Who has made a public accusation of rape? You mm. don't mean how do we mediate in public a message to that person? No, no I mean like you know no. how, how how do you advise this particular person that um, because they say, well, 
I am very curious about myself. I am very interested about myself. That's exactly why um, I noticed that I'm a victim. I'm being, you know, I've been abused and uh, I have rights. And I should have uh, relief, you know. So can we say, well, you know, you also a shit producer um, and somehow you need to get shit in touch inventory. with that. <laughs> you need to do a shit inventory before, you know, uh, you can resolve this problem. Anything else? Mm. Yeah, and I think it's a hard, that's a hard, I, I, the eternal optimist in tells me that for every person there is somebody or a way of of getting inside of their shell their protective armor um it is definitely not the same person for everybody and it's definitely not the same way for everybody somebody needs to be loved deeply before they are able to even entertain that thought that there's a shit inventory in me to to you know to do whereas somebody might need you know a uh, um uh, a kick in the butt saying, hey, come on, this is just dumb, you know, stop. Mm -hmm. Maybe that would shake them open a smidgen, right? So I'm, I'm guessing there's a gazillion different ways of, of reaching somebody. Um, and my personal belief on this is that if I come to you and, and think that you're, you know, you're so far gone, you really need to do that shit inventory. If I look at you as if you're broken, you're wrong, you're just dumb, you're, you're no, you know, I can fix you. If only you do this, then you will, you know, it's doomed to fail. Mm. Uh, I don't think that helps at all. I think that does just the opposite. That just tightens that armor even more. So somehow a belief that, you know, everybody is, is human and there's, you know, there's, there's, I don't want to say something good in all of us, but maybe it's that light, you know, that, that, there is in everybody that the ability to be open. Maybe that's all that, you know, I don't have to, to put any other spins on it than that. But you know, how do everybody we deal has the with, ability. How do we deal with all these people that are um, unjustly accused, possibly even jailed? There's a woman in Australia who's been in prison for 30 years for murdering four children, her children. And uh, now they've just released uh, uh, research which suggests that her children died uh, because of, of uh, medication. Oh, they have a genetic, um, uh, uh, unusual genetic anomaly which led to that. Uh, they died from prescriptive, prescriptive uh, medications and so on. Okay. So an entire nation says, you, you bad, you dumb. Um, you're a child killer. And there are endless variations on this. What do we do with this? How do we work with it? How do we uh, approach these problems? Why do we have a justice system? 
Well, I was going to say, I don't think the justice system is the way to this. I think it's one messy conversation at a time. That's the only way to deal with these things. Um, but take, for instance, Annika Östberg, Öst, what's her name? Mm. The, the Swedish lady who was incarcerated in California for, what, 25 years because her boyfriend killed a cop, I think, at, uh, during a, a bank robbery, and she was an accomplice. But mm. he then killed himself in jail, so she, she kind of got the, the rap. So, someone's going to the Colosseum. Someone's going to the Colosseum, so it was her. It's, you know, I've read... I think two books by her and I've listened to her a little bit. It's like she has that interesting or I pick up in her that interesting. I'm not saying I didn't do it, you know, because she's not saying she didn't do it. She's saying I didn't shoot and kill, um, but I was definitely part of that thing that led to somebody dying. Mm. Um, but I've, you know, I've paid the price. I've done, uh, I've, I've done that thing and she's done work on herself. So somewhere along the line, she went from being kind of a junked out, you know, whatever, uh, to, to actually finding that little bit of opening in herself and, and kind of, you know, Doing the shit inventory is what I, you know. Um, was she helped by the justice system to do that? Not really, I think. Maybe in one sense, because it forced her into a prison and so she didn't have much else to do, but perhaps turn inwards. But I, you know, but, but I don't think there's much else in the justice system that's worked to help her come to that point honestly. I mean, one of the most popular movies of all time ever um, is uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. It's a sort of part of our, our cultural heritage is this idea of the wrongly accused person um, that, you know, somehow is redeemed, who's, who's uh, you know, um, uh, who's, who's, who, who gets justice, you know, whether it's uh, the Count of Monte Cristo or uh, whatever. It's a really, it's a popular theme we have. It's a way of dealing with some of these, uh, these difficulties that, you know, we can believe in this, this particular story. Um, and the story doesn't actually in the real world become real that often. Uh, there's like thousands that go against it. Yeah, and it's again, you know, what's the hen and what's the egg here? Because if more people dealt with their own shit, likelihood that the number of wrongly accused people would go down. Possibly. Um, but there's also the possibility that uh, sort of comes up out of uh, 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 
the idea that the the that our society needs scapegoats that uh, the scapegoat is the the best way to contain mass violence a little bit of unjust violence here and there will uh, lead to fewer genocides yeah and and again i'm i'm thinking that we have lost you know, when the scapegoat was actually a goat that we kind of piled all of the bad things that happened in our little village and we shooed him out of town um, or village, you know, and everybody could like, oh, that's so good. I've, I've put all of my bad thoughts and beliefs on that goat and now it's gone. Mm. Maybe we need the, the real scapegoat again because the way that we're dealing with scapegoats today doesn't really seem to be... Um, so you, you believe in violence thing. against animals? <laughs> yes. No, I don't. <laughs> and I, I really don't believe in violence against people either. And I think there's a lot of scapegoating going on that isn't... That isn't good. And it isn't good because it's a way to get away from doing my own shit inventory. Mm -hmm. I blame somebody else so that I don't have to look inwards. Okay, there we go again. So the, the woman who says that she got raped, what about the woman her? what? The woman who says that she got raped, mm. hypothetically, is the guy she's accusing just a scapegoat? Is she just going to need to do a bit of inner work to resolve the problem? I mean, that's what he says. He says he's a symbol for other people's uh, need for revenge, for uh, need for justice, or whatever we're going to call it. You know. And I don't think it's as easy as that. I don't think that there is a solution and that it's neat and tidy and, you know, mm. well-defined. Um, if he's wrongly accused and she's wrongly accusing him, I'm guessing it would be very beneficial for her to do some, some inner work, yes. Um, but again, the justice system is not interested in that. The justice system is interested no. in, can she prove that he did it? I know. He can then, you know, start a case where he can prove that she lied. Um, But it all seems to me like, um, do we have anything better? You know, this is like a, the, the democracy is really crap, but it's the best we have. I think we do have something better. What was that book I was reading the other week about just this? Um, I don't remember, but it was something to do with I think um, Native American. Oh yeah, it was. I don't remember. Native Americans. Uh, how... Wounded knee. Yeah. No, it wasn't that one. Um, but that 
there wasn't a need for a police. There wasn't a need for law because everybody knew that, you know, we share collectively. If I am hungry and there's food there, then I can take some food. If I am cold and there's a blanket there, I can take that blanket because I'm the one who needs it the most. Um, so that's, and you know, I'm not painting, you know, with rose colored paint here, but, but it's like, yeah, I don't know that the law necessarily is my favorite, um, human invented system either there's Ooh, a few it's a those. product of the nation state and we need to abolish the nation state that, and there it comes to caspian's Dr. forever Evil. conclusion <laughs> <laughs> yeah There's a lot about the law that just frustrates me. I was in a, a conversation on Monday about creativity. And 75 minutes into this 90 minute call, somebody says, I don't agree with everyone's definition on creativity or the way that you're speaking about it. For me, it's this. which then led to a little bit of a discussion around the need for definitions. And from my point of realization that possibly after having that 90 minute quite messy conversation, we could start in on trying to define what is creativity. But if we'd started minute one by saying, okay, now we need to make a definition of creativity, you know, we can't. You need to have the messy conversation first. Mm. Um, you need to see where, where are we all? What's the different, uh, you know, hues and colors and shapes and forms that this takes for different people? And is there, what's the common thread? What's the commonality that we can find and can we then possibly come down to a definition mm. that sounds a lot like what the law is mm. kind of run a few crimes and run a few perpetrators and uh, put them in a few contexts and then try and work out some frameworks in which uh, yeah. you know people's uh, people are protected you don't get hurt or you don't get damaged. I mean, the, the intention is really good. The intention. And then I would say then comes that the business model into it too, which kind of fucks it all up uh, in many ways. That it isn't us. It doesn't come across as that which I think it is intended to be.
That's a really nice wrap. That's a really nice wrap. <laughs> yeah, coming from you today. Yeah. Well, hasta la vista, motherfuckers. <laughs> he out. He out of here. He out of here. <laughs>